You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Anne Ishii has worked with Vertical Inc., a publisher specializing in English translations of Japanese literature. She translated the text in the Japanese manga comic book versions of Batman for Bat Manga, The Secret History of Batman in Japan. Thank you for joining me, Anne. Thanks, Rick. Anne, tell me a little bit about your uh, history just uh, with Vertical Inc., and and give us an idea of how long you worked with them and and what got you interested in the publishing business. Yeah. Well, um, actually, I don't know when the last time was we talked about what I was up to, but I've uh, since left Vertical, still work with them, but uh, only just kind of liminally as a background figure. Um, Right now, I'm freelancing, doing a lot of translating and publishing for other folks, including Vertical. But um, basically, I came out to New York to study Japanese language and culture at the Columbia University Department of the same name. Actually, it's East Asian Language and Culture. And, uh, you know, I hit that crossroad most graduate students do, debating whether to keep studying or to actually try and go out into the real world and find a job. And um, this was in 2003, right when Vertical was getting started. I met the editorial director and president, Hiroki Sakai is the president, Yanni Mensis, the editorial director. They were looking for somebody to kind of do all the 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 dirty work, I like to call it. And um, I thought, gosh, I just got a degree in Japanese literature, and here's a company that wants somebody to work in their translation publishing company. I, I couldn't think of anything more, you know, fateful falling into my lap. I, I couldn't say no. Joined. Loved it. Still love it. And... Um, I think that kind of brings us to do. Now, uh, that was where you met uh, Chip Kidd as well. He was uh, selected as the art right. director. Tell yes. me about meeting Chip Kidd. Um, let's see. So I had heard a lot more about him before meeting him. So, you know, I had this image in my head of what that was going to be like. The only graphic designer I knew of who, by name, really, um, at that point and then everybody telling me, wow, I can't believe you scored Chip Kid." And um, when I met him, I was really surprised pleasantly to discover he was just this really funny, affable guy. Um, super cool, chill, uh, very blue humor, which <laughs> totally struck a chord with me. We uh, shared dirty jokes. Um, and I don't know, we just hit it off. So after that, you know, since then... Um, Chip has kind of passed the baton on to another art director uh, of his finding, actually, Peter Mendelssohn. And um, yeah, Chip just told me there was all kinds of stuff he was still doing. I was still active in the comic scene, working with Viz and um, a little bit of work with Drawn and Quarterly. So, um, you know, he knew I was around. Well, tell me now, uh, it must be different when you're translating comics and translating uh, text or prose. Could you talk about the differences between those two kinds of translation? Sure. Um, There's definitely a lot of uh, compare and contrast here. I can say, for example, that in a a different matter, um, 
I've signed contracts to translate comics where the word we use actually isn't translation, it's uh, adaptation and rewrite. So, you know, in a comic book, because you're working with a limited amount of space in the in the speech cells and the bubbles, thought bubbles, all of the FX also um, come in a very limited space. Sometimes because the way language translates, there just isn't the room to be accurate, um, you know, quite literally, there isn't the space to be accurate. The, and that doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. And also there are... There is a visual language in the motion of the characters, for example, that doesn't exactly correlate to the to the spoken text. I know that in Batmaga, one of the things we ran into was that a lot of the language, in the, the, the dialogue, was just reiterating what was taking place very obviously in the character's depiction of the action. So, you know, it's tantamount to Batman saying, I am talking right now. And... You know, I th- I would say that in comics you're just given a lot more freedom to work in in the in the end language, whereas in uh, text or that's to say prose fiction with no visual elements, um, you know you, you also have leeway, but uh, maybe a little less. Maybe just because you have an infinite amount of space to work with, um, you don't have the space constraints. Um, and, you know, I hate to say it, but sometimes people think literature, that's to say prose fiction or nonfiction, um, is taken a little more seriously. So we have the author's feelings to be a little more wary of. Um, whereas comics artists are just as protective of their children, as it were. But, um, you know, I, there it's written into clauses, for example, that authors of prose writing have to see the translation if they don't like it. You know, there's just a lot more editorial protocol going on there. Now, when you're working with uh, comics, um, one thing that struck me is those comics were written 40 years ago, so there's a a temporal translation as well as as a a, a text translation. Could you talk about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, I actually wasn't very familiar with the Batman franchise uh, as it existed before Gibbons or Miller or, you know, I'm pretty new to the superhero comics as I had never really been an avid fan per se, Um, just what I'd seen in movies or what all. Um, I actually had to brush up a lot on the, you know, the the beginning incarnations of Batman in America just to understand and kind of get a feel for what was going on in the Japanese version. Um, I, you know, happened to already have a little bit of historical background or I just knew some historical background on, um, you know, 50s to 60s manga, uh, it was actually the American comic scene of the same time period that I was totally um, uninitiated. And um, so the research, you know, I'm not saying I spent long hours at the public library or anything, but I did have to do a little research on original American Batman comics just to get a feel of that language. Now, could you talk about the, the, the manga mindset that you had to try to capture and translate? Because I, I think that uh, Batman, as presented in Japan, was presented in a rather different way than it was presented in America, wasn't it? Yeah, most definitely. I think um, I can't really speak for um, the publisher, but I'm going to venture to 
guess that when they were publishing the Batman mangas, um, they just, you know, it was probably what we in publishing call like a mid-list title or, you know, something a little bit forgettable. I mean, no offense to Kuwata, but it's one of those things where American comics just wasn't really um, popular and it hasn't ever been popular in in Japan, um, save for maybe the exceptional movie franchise with some hot young celebrity starring. But, you know, the American comics is, as we understand them, aren't ever really popular. So uh, the mind frame I had to get into was that this the stuff was being made to try really hard to attract new readers. They were trying to create a market. And to that end, I mean, it's just embellished with so much stuff. I'm sure Chip has gone on and on about the toys and the accessories and, you know, the um, the there's all kinds of marginal marginalia in each of the episodes. That's there are fan clubs, and I almost feel like it was one of those like, what's the saying? Ninety percent perspiration, ten percent inspiration. But you know, there was the actual bat manga that they, that was being produced, and then all of the other stuff that they were doing um, to try to just reach out and find more fans because you know it it was going to be so difficult, but. Um, yeah, and you know, which is a little different from from the other, you know. And this is also a time when, right around when um, the the whole manga anime joint venture kind of thing was going on, the multimedia outreach. You know, Astro Boy had just gone from um, you know printed serial to uh, to animated broadcast, and I think there was even like a puppet show, Astro Boy puppet show. So it was all about like finding all the different manifestations of each comic franchise as possible. And and um, and in the midst of that was this kind of one-off adaptation of an American comic book. So they had, they had a lot to compete with. One of the things that I think must have been very interesting for you was the actual physical presence of the the these comics? These things are forty years old and they're incredibly yeah. valuable. Could you talk about just seeing the comics and some of the toys? How how did that was it like to be in like Saul's uh, Batman collector booth? Right. <laughs> um, you know, I've been to a lot of Comic Cons, so I'm not totally unfamiliar with. Um, <laughs> being surrounded by geeks and geek culture and, you know, things that have the kind of faint smell of male sweat and tears and blood. Um, I know a lot of this stuff Chip talks sometimes about, very proudly about the, the bidding wars he's in to, to find some of this stuff. Saul is the same way, just, you know, it's like a, it's like the trophy at the end of a long negotiation which I, I totally understand. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I I collect first editions myself. So just being around some of this stuff was really amazing. Um, Chip was showing one of the original, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Manga anthologies that w- one of the episodes of Bat Manga was in, and. Um, Lo and behold, on the cover there was an advertisement for an Osama Tezuka original manga, also. And if you open up the book, you'll find a very rare uh, Tezuka comic in there, right next to to the Batman, um, or not right next to, but you know, sharing the same pages as 
the Batman manga. So, um, you know, when I saw that, my jaw just hit the floor. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, of course, I technically translated um, photo reprints of everything. I wasn't working with the actual book itself, but I, you know, I did get to, um, sh- you know, touch it and flip through it or whatever to the extent that that's possible when it's covered in acetate. Um, but, uh, you know, and then Chip also eventually acquired some original prints. Um, that was amazing to see something that, you know, Kuata Jiro created just probably over a weekend off the cuff to, you know, make an extra buck or yen, as it were, um, you, you know, something that kind of happens in passing just to see it in its original incarnation is is pretty amazing. It, it's definitely art. And um, it, it validates that I think graphic arts and graphic novels, um, comics arts are a totally, totally legitimate art form. Well, this is interesting. I, I never thought of it that way, that, that the original art would have such a a striking kind of uh, uh, presence. And, and I really like this idea of, of the smell of the stuff, too. Could you, yeah. Did I, you, could you talk about, uh, did you see any of the toys and stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Chip's apartment is, to anybody who doesn't know anything about him, a little scary. <laughs> it's just filled with toys. Um you know, 40-something-year-old man in New York with <laughs> a penthouse apartment and lots of uh, Batman toys, Superman toys. It's a little, um, you know, it, it's a little strange unless you know who Chip is. And uh, so, you know, I'm not saying his place smells like sweat and tears, though. Uh, I won't say either way, but, you know, just when people get together and talk about their their uh, limited edition or, you know, one-of-a-kind or vintage toys, artifacts, posters, books, it, it just immediately comes with a, a smell, definitely. Books, I mean, one of the reasons I think people collect books is to, to just have that visceral kind of experience with it. Um, I think something that's... Uh, been made valuable over the years by its rarity and and um, kind of retroactive appreciation has an added smell. Um, and it's just that boy smell. I don't know how else to characterize it. It's a it's you know boys do this stuff. When you were as you were translating this, you were working with Chip and with Jeff. Did you talk to 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 Jiro Kawada at all? I didn't. I wish I did. Um, he's very old. Um, I, you know, w- there are a bunch of people featured in this collection, and I mean, I wish I could talk to all of them. Some of the most amazing stuff was actually, I, I would have loved to talk with the people who made the toys, actually. That's the stuff that really impressed me. I mean, you know, translating Bat Manga as written by Kuata Jiro was incredibly fulfilling and fascinating. Um, you know, I I didn't feel like I needed to talk to him to clarify any uh, kind of ambiguities about the language. It's still writing for, you know, made for children. So, you know, in terms of the difficulty of translation, it was not at all. But 
I mean, I would have loved to meet him just to get into his mind frame, um, you know, what it meant for him to be doing this. But no, I didn't actually work with him effectively or talk to him. Now, uh, I, Chip told me that the, um, the, 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 Kanji, am I saying that right? Yes. The, yeah. the kanji was 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 not hand hand lettered, but was actually uh, printed out. Yes. It, you know, he originally wrote everything, and then I'm assuming some editor um, put in typeface, and yeah. So it was it was typeset. Now, um, were there any like um, a- a- as as you're putting this together and working with Chip, I know he he said that you know he w- he kind of was working with you as a co-translator in terms of yeah. taking what you the raw material you had and uh, putting it into something that would be fit more appropriately with the comics. Could you talk about that kind of back and forth experience, uh, the, the kind sure. of feedback loop? Well, you know, Chip Chip and I did this together for the first time, and I mean that in every sense. I hadn't ever done anything like this, and he had never done anything like this. Um, few people know this, but you know, he sent me a photocolor copy of every single page he had at the time, which was, uh, which has since grown. He has a lot more pages now, but he originally sent me all of these pages, um, and basically asked me to take a Sharpie and write directly onto it what the translations were and where, you know, for color reasons or if the if the Sharpie wasn't going to stand out, he said to just use Post-its. I think I went through a good mm, three boxes of Post-its, just, you know, making notes and writing into the, these photocopies. I made uh, black and white copies of the photocopies. Um, you know, it was a very hands-on experience. Um, I'm sure if you talk to anybody else who does comics translations, that that's pretty much unheard of. Um, Post-its are usually relegated to, you know, like specific parts of the spreads where you need to clarify like really obscure um you know piece of fx or whatever but every single word that was translated um chip or i'm hoping somebody some peon he hired or uh, you know forced to data entry actually inputted all of the words i wrote and so everything was a handwritten translation directly into the material and um in hindsight we have realized that was um, either because we, we were really stupid or we were really, really stupid. I don't know. Um, but so the experience was very hands-on. We were sending scans back and forth too, but it just seemed easiest to, to you know, look at hard copies together. One thing that, that strikes me is that, that you described yourself as something of of a neophyte to to the Batman, and particularly the Batman of the the nineteen sixties. Um, could you talk about? I at least found Batman very affecting, and, and you know, it really struck me um, nostalgia for a place I'd never been. Uh, mm-hmm. Could you talk about how it struck you for the first time to see these kind of things unearthed from some cultural corner that nobody ever ex- thought existed? Yeah, um, you know, I my familiarity with 
uh, things translated from English to Japanese mostly lie in the realm of actually prose writing um, when it comes to especially that period of time. Um, you know, uh, they say that if you want to know one language, if you're a, you know, if you're a book lover and want to know one language, it should be Japanese because more foreign language texts get translated into Japanese than into any other. And I don't know if that's still true. This information dates back to the 90s. But um, so, you know, when I saw that comics were also uh, adapted, not translated, but adapted into the Japanese um, tome in this period of like the, you know, the 50s and 60s were kind of a golden era of translation from uh, between Japan and America because of the occupation. So um, it, I just I was absolutely thrilled to see that there was just this uh, kind of hidden gem. Um, it was it was great, um, you know, to to be flown back into time like that was really amazing. One thing that that I think is really interesting about these is that Batman is now <clears throat> really aimed at a, a pretty much adult or or you know mm. a young adult audience. And those Batman stories are definitely not. Those are are stories for boys. And, and could you talk about the difference in translating uh, stories for boys versus stories for men and women? Sure. Um, I actually, you know, with the with the newer Batman stuff, I mean, it's really amazing. I I don't think they're even the same thing anymore. I mean, I I don't even call it Batman anymore. I call it like Dark Knight or whatever the you know, the title is of, you know, whatever the subheading is, um, there, it's just so different. Um, the, I, I guess in terms of translating for boys versus translating for men and women, I mean, I don't know if I have a clear answer on that, but it definitely, I mean, just at a very kind of, uh, just, technical level it's much easier to translate Japanese you know children's Japanese just as it would be much easier to translate children's English um so there's that but yeah I guess I'm not really sure I would love to you know take a stab at translating um I don't translate into Japanese but I would love to just look at American you know, like Dark Knight and see how that translates into Japanese. I'd love to see what people are doing there. Um, but yeah, it's, I, it's definitely different. Now, um, as you were, were doing these translations, um, were you working on other uh, translations and did was there some kind of crosstalk? You, you talked about... <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just my whole brain just feels like a big acid trip sometimes when I'm translating. If I've been doing it for too many hours of the day, at the end of it, I, you know, I, I'll look at whoever I'm having dinner with and say, like, I can't speak for the next 10 minutes without it not being, you know, some Martian language of my own invention. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, ironically, um, Right at the same time that I was doing this Batman, I was also subtitling a uh, PBS wide-angle show on the Japanese self-defense military. So, you know, uh, in a part of my brain was all of this language about um, 
you know, the Defense Department, the Japanese Defense Department, the history of, you know, fascist Japan and the legacy of the Navy versus the Army, um, you know, this very um, uh, heteromasculine fraternal order kind of, you know, uh, nationalistic jargon on the one end of my head. And, well, there you go. That There's the answer to your, um, you know, translating boys' Japanese versus men's Japanese. But, you know, here's, like, I'm, I'm spending the mornings basically translating uh, the Japanese spoken in a, in a coterie of very masculine men. And then, you know, in the afternoon and evening, translating comics. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. I I definitely used one to kind of buffer the effects of the other. And, and I guess there are more uh, comics uh, to be translated. Are are you going to be working on those as well, or are, has everything oh, yeah. been done? No, there's there's more. Yeah, um, it's up to whoever is willing to publish whatever chip pitches. Um, and, you know, with, you know, people announcing things like freezes on bonuses and no more acquisitions till, you know, whenever. <laughs> I, I mean, I have no idea what publishing is going to determine of the Batmanga series. But uh, had we our druthers, this, there would be a Batmanga 2 coming out very shortly. And, and I'm wondering, are you going to be looking at doing... Now I I understand you you do some some manga right now. Are are has this piqued your interest in doing more and working more on in children's literature? Um, you know, uh, yes and no. I think um, that line that's blurred between YA and adult literature or nonfiction, for that matter. Um, I you know my favorite books blur those boundaries and distinctions all the time. Um, I love fantasy sci-fi, um, which I would say is probably the most, you know, quote-unquote all ages fair out there. Um, I love translating comics. I've already started translating a lot of other things um, in that medium. And, uh, uh, you know, I can't really go at length about some of this, but th yeah, I definitely have been kind of putting myself out there more as like a comics translator. Um, simply because I love the medium and part of it is specifically because, um, you know, it's, it can be enjoyed by old ages and not in a weird kind of like, not in a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not in a condescending way, you know, um, or patronizing or, or for that matter, whatever the opposite of that would be. Um, but yeah, I, I've absolutely been, um, this has absolutely piqued my interest. And I should say, more importantly, my interest has always been piqued, but it's piqued the interest of other publishers who see my byline and um, have been calling me. So thank you, Chip. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to ask is that, you know, now that you've been exposed to this kind of uh, rarefied world where, you know, Batman assumes uh, an importance that is, you know, perhaps disproportionate in, in as most people would consider it, um, do you find yourself, your own collector's instincts being peaked either towards, do you look at a, a Batman toy and say, hey, maybe that's going to be worth $1,000 20 years from now? <laughs> or, yeah, totally. Um, you know, uh, absolutely. I, you know, I used to 
buy books and not really pay attention to the dust jackets. And um, since working with Chip, um, you know, I I put all of my dust jackets in the equivalent of like a humidor, basically hoping they never ever decay or age. And you know, I I mean, I value my print objects uh, much 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 more now. Uh, so to just with the books. The physical books, I, I'm much more careful with them. I don't lend them out anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, they're they're protected. Um, with things like toys and accessories, um, I can't afford a lot of the stuff that's you know really collectible. But uh, I also just know the economy and scale of it a lot better. So um, I have grown to appreciate that um, you know a piece of cardboard with um, a Batman on it could very easily be worth more than me. <laughs> I've been speaking with Anne Ishii. She's the translator for Batmanga, The Secret History of Batman in Japan. Thank you for joining me, Anne. Thanks, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. <laughs>